welcome to the Classroom in Your Living Room podcast. I am acting as your host. My name is Trisha Murphy, and I serve as the Development Director within the College of Education at MTSU. Now, this is a, a fun opportunity for us to connect with so many of our alumni and friends, and we know that so many of us are finding ourselves at home with children, juggling responsibilities, and yet still wanting to ensure that our students and our, our children are moving forward. Well, we are here today with Dr. Robin Lee, the coordinator of the professional counseling program within the College of Education at MTSU, along with Dr. Tiffany Wilson, who serves as our school counselor coordinator. And today we are talking a little bit about self-care and mental health of both parents and our children during this COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Lee, Dr. Wilson, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for this opportunity. Of course. Dr. Lee, I'm going to go ahead and start with you, um, selfishly as a parent, of how in the world are we providing self-care for ourselves right now when, frankly, as soon as my kid goes down for bed, I, I want to go to bed as well. Um, so, you know, how are we, how are we self-caring right now? Right. Well, I think everybody recognizes it, that it's a difficult time, and I'll talk a little bit about some things that really are not rocket science, um, but sometimes I think it's just great to be able to process things and hear them directly. Um, Dr. Wilson and I were talking last night, and we were recognizing that we were not really practicing a lot of these ourselves, so it sometimes just takes someone to say, hey, you, and consider these options. So I wanted to start with just the idea that I think we know it's important that we stay informed. So we recognize the need to be informed. And that can mean watching news programs, um, press conferences, social media that's talking about the situation. But it is important as it is to be informed, it is also important to disconnect. And that is in order to reconnect. So after keeping up with the updates and finding out the information, then scheduling time to disconnect from social media and news outlets. And I really think that this is a way that we can model good behavior for our children, that we can deal with difficult information, but we can also disconnect from it and be able to sort of switch gears and focus on family and focus on the child's needs. It's important also for us to maintain a healthy foundation and that can be defined by the person and whatever it is that they find important to them. Um, these disruptions are unavoidable. They are unnerving. They trigger negative emotions that we may stray keep us from focusing on self-care and self-care can take a lot of forms daily meditation doing a hobby exercising but really just having that foundation allows us to refuel and then we can then focus on our ability to care for others because if we don't focus our, on ourselves sometimes we become more vulnerable to being um irritable or anxious or even susceptible to illness. So it's really important for whatever works for folks to really ground themselves that they choose those activities in addition to caring for others. 
Yes. Uh, those are such good tips. And, you know, I've heard that the tired maybe example, but it's still a true one of you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you care for others in your life. And I think that that's true. And in my family, you know, I've kind of told my, my son, Hey, get out in the backyard and play, get some energy out. Or my husband, Hey, just take a walk or a run. You know, we each need to be giving those times, um, to, to ourselves. And, and I think that that can be really hard. You know, what are some ways that you would just encourage folks to take advantage of nature and, and potentially, you know, healthy choices during this time? Sure. Well, I think that we have to be very purposeful and we may have a tendency to want to stay inside or even just continue to work, but we really do have to make the effort to reconnect with what we consider sort of natural joys like exercise or nature, going for a walk, uh, going and sitting outside for a minute in the sun just to have some vitamin D exposure. It doesn't have to be a lot. It just needs to be something. Um, and I think too, that it would be really easy for us to not necessarily focus on healthier choices. I've heard a lot of jokes about what people are doing in order to cope with this. And while we don't want to make ourselves feel guilty about choices, we still, we want to be able to eat ice cream and, and have cake and all those things that make candy and chocolate that make us um, happy and, um, and living life. But we do want to make sure that we're focusing on healthy choices and not necessarily pressuring ourselves to, you know, exercise a lot or get in tip top shape or anything like that, but just recognizing it and being thoughtful and intentional about how we're treating ourselves and our bodies as well. Um, I think it's really important too, for us to be realistic. I read one expert that said, Perfectionism and coronavirus don't mix. And I, I thought I really liked that. Um, so we want to be realistic both about our work life at home and as a parent. And parents should remind themselves that these are really unprecedented times and that there's no playbook for this. And we are really all just doing the best that we can. Yes, it's so true. Um, and we are. And, you know, it's so easy for us to. I mean, I was making peach cobbler kind of from scratch. And we were, I mean, I was ordering bacon break cookies from Instacart every single week. You know, you go to those things that make you feel comfort and that's a good thing until it's not. And so I think that that's such a good balance for us to, to keep in mind. Um, you know, what are other ways besides Netflix binging and watching Tiger King right now, what are other ways that we can really make the, that time for ourselves? Right. Well, I think you, you just said it, Tricia. We do have to make time for ourselves. And as parents, I think that we sometimes don't always do that because we feel, especially um, for women as caregivers, we really want to make sure that everybody else is taken care of. So what we have to recognize is that all of those things that we did that we may not even recognize that really allowed us to have time alone, like drives to work or uh, being shopping or going to a store or social times with friends, just anything where we're by ourselves Shower. there anymore. Have. <laughs> right. Right. And so we have to be intentional about creating space to recharge and sort of decompress, taking a shower, taking a bath, walking, walking by yourself, walking the dog by yourself, or just designating time to read 
Or one thing that I think we do very well these days sometimes is just to zone out game on your phone take that time once the kids have gone to bed to just have that 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 time and if meditation is something that you do then use that time alone to meditate but it really is important for us to do these things to really recharge and fill our cups before we try to um, help anyone else out ah yes that's so true i think it was day three dr lee that i downloaded the i breathe app on my phone <laughs> Absolutely. I think that there's some, there are stages to this. And so you know, first there's denial and then there's all sorts of things. And, and in that kind of panic or the anger stage or, um, you know, whatever it might be, sometimes just taking time for yourself. And really that sometimes is just, maybe it's a minute of breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And I'll talk a little bit more, just a few other things that I think might tend to be absent for us in this time. Um, and that's just the idea of giving ourselves some grace and practicing gratitude. So really reflecting on what our gifts are and how uh, important family is and what an uh, amazing opportunity to spend time with family. When in history are we going to have this opportunity? As horrible as the situation is, it is an opportunity for us to, to spend time with family and not necessarily focusing on our loss of freedom or normalcy, um, but really being mindful to focus on our well-being. Um, and that can be true for the entire family, just practicing gratitude. And that might even be something that if the family does together, that it could extend to other people. Um, helping out a neighbor, um, reaching out to someone that you feel might be in need. And is there anything that we can find as a family to, to really practice gratitude? Um, one of the things I heard recently is even just reconnecting with things that we enjoy or developing new things that we enjoy. Uh, it was suggested that maybe it was a good time to develop a new skill. My husband has talked about learning sign language and he and my daughter have been practicing sign language, something that they always talked about doing. Um, so I think that those are things that we can do. However, I just want to say that it is important again to be kind to yourself and give yourself some grace because it, we don't need to make ourselves feel guilty about things that we are doing or not doing in this time. We are all surviving and we don't want to compare ourselves to others because that can really um, be a, a difficult path to, to go down is to looking around and looking at social media and see, see social media and seeing what else other people are doing. And the last thing I would say is that when you, if you recognize that some of these things are not working and you're really, really struggling, then know when to ask for help. There are tons of resources available these days. Everybody is doing tele-mental health. And so there are options available if you feel like that your anxiety or your stress or it might be leading to depression and other things, then I would urge you to reach out and seek some help. Absolutely. Well, 
as you mentioned, so many of us are are working full time and also have this this child or children full time. And so you're exactly right. That anxiety and that pressure just it feels like it builds now that we're on week what three or four. Um, some of us five of this. So you're you're exactly right. And Robin, I love what you said about spending time with family and, and making that list of, of what am I grateful for? It hit me a few days ago that this is the longest I've had with my son, James, since he was 10 weeks old, because, you know, since maternity leave. And so what are those, what are those things that, that can also be seen as a gift and what can we cherish? And I, I really love that perspective. So thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Wilson, yes, our school counselor, coordinator. I am so excited to hear how you um, and your expertise are going to help us understand how to help children cope with changes during this pandemic. Oh, for sure. Thank you again for this opportunity. It is really important during this time that we spend the time um, with our kids. And while we're spending time with our kids that we're having conversations and that we're listening to our kids, they can be experiencing a, a variety of emotions and wanting to talk about a variety of topics. So making sure that we are creating space for them to have these conversations. As Dr. Lee said, there's a lot of information on the news right now. So we want to make sure that our children are aware of what's going on, but we also want to be sure that we don't overload them with all the information about COVID-19. We always too want to make sure that we're honest with our kids and that we are accurate in the conversations that we have, but we want to make sure that the conversations and the explanations are age appropriate. We want to keep conversations very simple and not to overwhelm their ability to understand the information or even provoke any further anxiety or fears about the um, pandemic that's going on, but we also want them to respect the fact that we do have a pandemic going on. So we just want to make sure that we provide accurate information, but make sure that it's definitely age appropriate and that we keep it simple. That's a good point. Dr. Wilson, again, listeners have heard this incessantly. I have an almost four-year-old and, you know, right now we're talking about how people are sick and, you know, well, are my grandparents sick? Well, I don't know. It's hard to say. We don't really know if we're sick. And, you know, how do you help a toddler brain understand that? So what are, what are maybe one or two examples of the way in which parents can help children understand what's happening? Well, I think depending upon the age for your little ones for that age, I think play is probably the best way for kids to learn and to understand things. So understanding that this is something that's hurting people that they can't see. Right. And so now you're exposing them to the idea that germs are out there and you can play doctor and how that you can help take medicine and help people heal different ways that you can um, incorporate play with dolls, maybe Legos and building, you know, a hospital. There's different ways, I think, that you can play with kids to help them to understand. Um, also, reading books. There's tons of um, information out there that are age appropriate for uh, children that are very young to help them to understand what's going on, but definitely finding different materials that are age appropriate. Mm, that's such good advice. Thank you so much. I don't know how many episodes my son has seen of Blippy, which for those of you who have not seen Blippy, do not, do not even go. There. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm sure there's something helpful about the work that he does um, on, on YouTube, but there's so much screen time. You know, we have phone calls right now. My son likely is watching Onward, which he loves. How do we monitor social media, video games, TV usage for our kids? I think the best way is to be intentional with our 
screen time. Definitely, my kids are the same way. I have twin boys that are seven and we try our best to monitor. We're intentional. We use social media. We use technology for their education purposes. This morning, I think they spent an hour doing already math. They're also online doing their language arts. And then, of course, there's times that they're just playing and making their own videos and dance videos and karate videos. But we try to be intentional with the time. We do try to limit as much as we can. But in reality, we're all working full time and trying to watch kids full time. So sometimes it's hard. So as Dr. Lee said, there's not a playbook for this. So we try to make an agenda, try to keep a schedule as much as possible. And then if we do great, yay, you know, we celebrate. And if we don't do great that day, we still celebrate because it's another day. So I think just the best, try to be intentional, schedule play time for technology, and then also schedule fun time with technology. Yes, yes. What are some other ways that you think that we can just be intentional with our our children right now with communication as well as activities? Again, I think making a schedule, kids love consistency and they love structure. So I think having a schedule set time to play, a schedule set time to do your schoolwork, and then again, engaging your kids on a consistent basis, letting them know, hey, if you have something you want to talk about, I'm here, come let me know. So I think allowing kids to know that you are available to them to have conversations is one of the great ways to start. But definitely, if you can make a schedule um, to play games, to take walks outside, I know sometimes we do impromptu dance contests in our house, but just being intentional about, hey, you know, during this time, we're going to sit down and watch a movie, or we're going to sit down and play Monopoly, or we're going to go take a walk around two o'clock today. I think that will help kids with the structure and then give them space to, to um, have conversations. I know with us, our best conversations have been the one where we're walking around the neighborhood and pointing out different things and things like that. So there's lots of ways and opportunities to engage in those conversations, but also have that structure at the same time. Yes. You know, it's funny when we think about helping children stay connected to their school or their peers and their family, I, I didn't even think about FaceTiming James's best friend from daycare until today. And, and they did that. And they, these little two boys, toddlers, preschoolers, who are just talking to each other about, they're so excited they can show each other their action figures at home now. You know, the, all of these things that we, we don't usually get to do and I wouldn't have even thought about. So I love that idea of how, how do we take advantage of some of that screen time? Oh, definitely. I know for our boys too, they have been Zooming, as they they said to me, with their friends yesterday and there's all their friends in second grade. And then they've also FaceTimed their teachers and their karate instructors. So it, it's been really nice. Um, we FaceTime anyway with our families that live in North Carolina. So that's we've actually picked that up a lot more and started using FaceTime more than we normally do. But then we've also gone back the old school and started using snail mail and sending and making birthday cards for our family members that they wouldn't normally ever do that with. And so teaching them, you know, sometimes it's good to send a letter through the mail, write a letter, you know, to some of our older relatives. So it's been a really good time, I think, for us to connect, reconnect with old friends and in different ways that we didn't prior to the pandemic. Exactly. We, you know, during the holidays, put cards around a door frame in our home. And we, we've kind of instituted that again, where we get all this happy mail from, you know, friends and cousins and, and people like that. And so we have kind of this, this card station around our door that we can see, you know, fun drawings. And I love that idea. 
is this grief? I think that, you know, we talked about that a little bit with Dr. Lee, but this, this feels like a grief cycle. And if so, how in the world do we process grief with these children? Right. This is definitely, um, it's particularly, uh, my heart goes out to graduating seniors who may not get the experience to prom, that those rites of passages, you know, walking across the stage, having your family cheer for you, not seeing your friends that you've been in school with your whole life, like this is how your senior year ends. So definitely understanding that there is a grief process that is going on and allowing students to be sad about it, to be upset about it. And that is okay because this nobody was expecting this. So it's important to allow children to go through the process. And there's several stages of grief when they go through the denial. You know, I can't believe this is happening this really isn't happening, is it? They ask those questions and then the anger, they just feel just angry about what's going on. And then, you know, that bargaining, well, if we do this, then maybe this can happen. You know, if this happens, then maybe we can go back to school. And then often the next cycle might be depression where they're just sad. And that depression can come out as tears, but it can also come out as anger. So depending upon the child and their age, and then hopefully we get to a point and that's in the stages of grief where a, a child will accept what's going on in that acceptance phase when the reality hits, like this is what's happening. And you know what? I'm not going to be able to do what I thought I was going to do, but it's going to be okay. So it's important to allow children to express their grief and not to say, oh, get over it. I think that can be a very damaging and hurtful thing to say, because again, we've not done this. And to just tell somebody to get over something that might be traumatic and hurtful for them is not really a positive way to address the situation. So giving them space to grieve, I think is very, very important. Yes, yes. I I love that wisdom. And I just appreciate you so much for going through that process. (laughs) That's mine. (laughs) I think that we're just about wrapped up. Is there anything that we left off, Tiffany? I would say that some of the biggest things, I think, take the time now that we are with family, teach life skills to, to your kids, take the time to teach them how to cook, how to plant a garden, how to take care of the family pet, how to make up a bed. Um, and I think this is also a great time to teach kids that life does not always happen the way we plan, but that is okay. There's ways to deal with transitions. There's ways to deal when life does not go the way you want it to. Um, and so practicing different ways to, of acceptance, different ways to um, work with life challenges, demonstrating the deep breathing, positiveness, and reframing of something that appears to be terrible, but how can you make it into something positive to, to continue on? And then I say the last part, again, uh, to echo what Dr. Lee has said, you want to provide your child a space that is filled with grace lots of grace, um, uh, give them a sense of being safe because children love and need to know that they are safe. And then uh, the last, and I think the most important thing is just show abundance of love, give lots of hugs, give lots of reassurance, give lots of kisses, um, and just let your child know that you love them, that they're great um, little people and and try to have fun and, and enjoy the time together. Yes. Gosh, that can be so sweet. It's something that my son's picked up in the last few weeks is, Mom, I want to be snuggle buddies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Kid who's not my physical touch kid, you know, and he is is coming up to me. I want to be snuggle buddies. And Mama, I love you. Daddy, I love you. And I think... Mm-hmm. And even for the older kids, I mean, I know teenagers, they have that teenage wisdom where they think they know everything, um, but still reassuring them that everything's going to be okay. 
Yes. And that you love them, you know, regardless of anything. I think that showing that love where they know it and feel it, I think is the most important thing. I'll jump in right here too, because I do have teenagers. And one of the things I've had to recognize is to be pay attention to when I, when they want my attention, when they come out of their rooms and they are hanging around, I have to be very intentional to say, Oh, okay. My teenager wants my attention. Let me put my computer aside. Let me turn the TV off. Let me change my focus so that I'm, I'm being aware of their needs. And it, it, it takes some effort to really recognize that, but I try to be in the moment and be present for them. That's important. And it's, yeah, it's important for any age. I think that, you know, there's, there's definitely a boundary of, Hey, you know, mom's recording a podcast right now, but there's also the, gosh, this email really can wait. And in our family right now, it's a hierarchy of needs. Our family has to come first. Agreed. Well, again, Dr. Lee, Dr. Wilson, thank you so much for your time today. I have certainly gained a lot of wisdom and I know our listeners will too. Thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate it. I invite you all to stay in touch with us online through our social media platforms by phone and of course email. Um, All of my information is on the website and as well as in the resources portion of this podcast. I'd love to hear from you and hear how these tips helped. Again, this is Trisha Murphy and you've been listening to the Classroom in Your Living Room podcast.